Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside-the-box thinking in carrying out Christ's Great Commission. On this week's episode, we are joined by Jamie Saint. There is no shortage of work in the call of the Great Commission, and God is using His church all over the world in unique ways. He has called iTech into this work by challenging us to explore what it would look like to train and empower the indigenous church. We have had the opportunity to work all over the world and continue to learn ways to improve. In this episode of the Mission Minded Podcast, iTech Executive Director Jamie Saint presents five principles to having sustainable long-term impacts on a short-term mission trip. Now here's your host, Kristen Ingle and Jim Tingler. Well, welcome back to the studio, Jamie. It's good to have you here. Good to be here. Yeah, well, it was the first episode, and hopefully this will not be your last. So, good to have you, Jamie. We'll see. I'll try to do a good job for you. Uh, it'll be great. Well, we have been talking about what what's going to happen on the podcast today for some time now, and there are so many uh, methodologies and approaches to missions across the world, and we've been wrestling through some principles of what that looks like here at iTech, and you're going to unpack that a little bit for us today. Isn't that right? Yeah, you know, Kristen, it started a long time ago when um, living with the Waodani, we saw missions from the receiver's point of view. And from that, my dad wrote a book called The Great Omission. And churches began reading that book, and they said, okay, we, we understand we need to be doing things maybe a little differently, but we need more information. And then um, my dad, along with Southeast Christian Church and some others, uh, Diane Becker, um, asked people from around the world, what would you want to tell the North American church about the way that we're doing missions to you? And that really led to a seven-part DVD series. It was filmed um, at Southeast Christian. And... It was people from around the world telling us how we're doing missions. So it wasn't North Americans to North Americans. It was our brothers and sisters around the world talking to us and saying, you know what? There are some ways that we can do things differently. But what that did is it created a dilemma for churches. They said, okay, we want to do things right, but we see the problems. How do we fix the problems? And that's really been for the last almost 15 years where churches are, some churches have just said, we're not going to do anything. Better not to do harm than to do something that could cause harm. And that's really, you know, the Great Commission tells us to go. So we need to go, but the way that we go needs to be different. Right. That seven-part series is called The Mission's Dilemma. And you don't have to just watch it on DVD for those listening. We do have it on our website. You can check the show notes here. We'll have links to all of that and the great omission. But the the learning process has continued. You've been at iTech now for 12 years, Jamie? Yeah, almost 12 years. And continuing to wrestle and learn and what this looks like. And through iTech, there's been five principles that have come out from learning and wrestling and going through the training opportunities we've had. Yeah, so what we did is we interviewed a lot of people that we partner with around the world and here in the U.S., as well as members of our team. And through those interviews, many of us watched them and said, what principles can we learn 
out of all of these things that people are saying, hours and hours and hours of interviews, how can we pack this in, into a really nice little package? That's what we did, and we came out with um, these five principles. And this first principle for having a long-term impact on a short-term trip seems like it might be common sense or basic, but it really is so much more than that. Can you tell us about this first principle? Yeah, principle number one is learn to listen. It's one of those things that does seem pretty basic and elementary, but it's so difficult for us to do. I remember I've been married nearly 25 years, and early in our marriage, and even sometimes now I have to be reminded, but my wife will share a problem with me. Well, like most of the men out there, what we try to do is we have a a three-step process to take care of the problem. Like the video that that we've talked about, the the woman with the nail in the head and her. Yeah, um, it's, it's not about the nail, which is a great video. Again, for those listening, if you haven't seen that, you should watch it. We'll put the link in the show notes. And so my wife had to tell me, look, I don't need you to solve the problem. I just need you to be here with me and understand the problem that I'm dealing with. And that's really what our brothers and sisters around the world want us to do as well. Oscar Murillo in The Mission's Dilemma, uh, he's a Kenyan pastor, um, speaks five languages, used to and, and comfortable in multiple cultures. He said, look, don't come and try to fix us. Just come and listen. Just sit with us and listen. He said, you come from a dominant culture, so you need to listen because as soon as you speak, the conversation is over. And so we need to go into those those environments where we're trying to empower our brothers and sisters around the world with skills that maybe they don't have but they want. They will enable them and empower them to have open doors to share the gospel by meeting people where they hurt. But we have to start by just being still and listening, asking questions but not talking. Just listen talking about the it's not just about the nail I know like from the wife's perspective that for me personally to receive love as a wife it's not it's it's more holistic than just pulling the nail out it's it's how do I feel what am I thinking um you can't truly help someone if you're not seeing the whole picture and you can only see the whole picture if you listen, Mm. which kind of leads us into this second principle. Um, When you listen, you can understand the need. Yeah, so principle number two, understand the need. So often we go overseas as as North Americans or um, people from the West and we see problems and we wanna fix those problems. But the issue comes down, the problems that we oftentimes see are not the problems that our brothers and sisters around the world actually have. So um, a good friend, Bill Warren, with fame, he said years ago, as he, and this was one of his experiences that kind of taught him, man, we need to train rather than do, they went over and saw squatty potties. And so they went and built a Western-style latrine And where they built that, they were seeing the locals who probably needed jobs sitting and watching all these white guys 
build this latrine. You know what? Squatty potties work just fine. I've used them around the world. You There's never typically a line because you're kind of in and out, which there's another commercial about that, um, which is pretty funny. Uh, talking about the squatty potty, and I have one in my home, and it works. Now, when we go and we try to fix a need that people don't actually perceive, it really undermine or can undermine the, the indigenous church. I remember uh, Gallo, we interviewed Gallo, the uh, director of ITEC Ecuador, and he said well-meaning, well-intentioned people came down to Ecuador and said, we want to help you with filters. So they brought filters, and Gallo said they were great. They worked for a day. He said, our problem is not clean water, it's sand. <clears throat> the sand would clog the filters after one day. So again, well-intentioned, well-meaning people wanted to help, but they really didn't understand the need. So when we learn to listen, then we can understand the need from the indigenous national point of view rather than from our North American point of view. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, I think understanding the need, it's going back to learning to listen. I think we often understand, we think we understand the need before we've fully heard, um, I guess, the whole story. And maybe it, it's not even that first time we have a conversation or second time or third time. It could be six months down the road uh, before we can really start to understand and working with partners internationally, what really is the need? And our mentality is a quick fix, I think, here in the, in the U.S. And a lot of solutions have come up that way. But there's not always a quick fix and we have to understand there might not be a solution. And so to understand the need is bigger than just here is your quick solution. That's right. Yeah. So. And once we understand that need or even come to some kind of understanding of what the need is, what's, what's the next step? What's the, what's, what do we yeah. do with that? The third step is build on what they have. So often we, when we're going overseas, we're told, yeah, when you guys go and do a training over there, when you go to help them, they don't have any money. They are, they are among the poorest communities in the world. But every time we go to those locations, everybody has a smartphone. I think it's 83.96% of the world's population in the latest statistic that I saw has a smartphone. Well, there's no cell phone companies that give away minutes for free. So it may not be as easy as getting money from the states. It may not be as you know, straightforward as just asking for money. It will be more of a sacrifice, but they can't afford to participate. What we learned from the Waodani is if when a, a North American group goes in and builds a building or does a, whatever it is, they own it, not the Waodani. And so... By allowing and asking and relying on those that we're going to go train where they're going to have to contribute. Maybe it's planning logistics. Maybe it's um, in-country transportation, food. <clears throat> A good friend, uh, Francis Bucacci with Hope Alive, he said, when we're going to go do a training, what we do first is we go and we just sit and ask questions. Then when it comes time where we've agreed this is how it's going to go, he said, 
they need to provide a training location. We're not going to pay for that. They also need to plan a safe place for us to stay, safe food for us to eat so we don't get sick, and some of those basic things that they can contribute to because resources are not just money. It's not just monetary. It's also time, energy, and effort that they also have. And so allowing them to have the ownership to have skin in the game is not only important, it's necessary. Otherwise, we leave and they think we own it rather than them owning it. Yeah, and just, again, for clarification, when we mentioned they... We're, we're talking in regards to our brothers and sisters in Christ in different parts of the world. And so the, the different contexts that, you know, they're working in, I think it's easy to have these assumptions, whether it be here's your solution because we're hearing this challenge or even thinking they might not be able to contribute because of, you know, they don't necessarily have the, the same resources that might be available in another context. But what you're saying is that's going to look different and we need to, to really listen and understand that we can build on what they have um, and work together. That's the goal is, is we're trying to find ways to work together. So this is a collaborative approach. Yeah. In one training that we did in another part of the world, the trainees, we only had a, a few medical kits to leave with them. But we said, look, if you would like a medical kit, and at that time the medical kits cost about $300. I spoke with our partner, who is from that country and the local pastor. And I said, what amount of money would be doable but would really take some effort for them to put together on their own? And it was $25. So, and if I mentioned the country, everybody would say, oh man, they don't have, they are so poor. But every single one of those students except for one put together their own money, saved up $25 and got their own medical kit. Now, one person called the U.S., which is so much easier, but we said if if you call the U.S. and raise the money or raise the money other ways other than just yourself, then it's full price, $300. But out of that training class, only one did that. Everybody else saved their money up and... For them, it was a sacrifice, but they're also then going to value, and they own it, not us. Mm-hmm. So, Jamie, once once we've listened and we have some kind of an understanding of what the need is and we see what's available in country, what is the action step? What is the next principle? Yeah, then we need to go and train. We need to understand the need. Once we understand the need that they have, We may not teach that skill, but we may know people that do. So we need to connect them together because it's not about iTech being famous. It's not about a ministry overseas being famous. It's about Christ being famous. Mm -hmm. And so we go and we train. When we asked the Waldani, or rather when they told us that they wanted our family to move down through my dad, they said there's two problems when foreigners come. And foreigners were coming and taking care of medical problems, dental problems, and even flying them from one place to another place. They said these two problems exist. One, the foreigners only come when it's convenient for them, not when we have a problem. And number two, when they come, 
they can only meet a physical need. But they said, our people have a bigger need than a physical need. They have a spiritual need. So they said, if you will come and teach us what the foreigners know how to do, then we will not only be here when there's a problem, but as we take care of the physical problem, we'll tell them how Jesus can fix our heart. And it makes sense. But how do you do that? But that idea really led to what is now ITEC. Because it was not our idea, it was the indigenous people's idea. They saw the problem. And so we don't just work with the Waodani. We're working, I think we worked on five continents or six so far. Um, in fact, we have tools on six different continents. The only one that we haven't worked with is Antarctica. Maybe, maybe at some point, I don't know. Lord willing. <laughs> but seeing um, the needs, it's easy to go provide a quick solution to go in. But going and training, it's not, an e it's not easier. It's, it costs more money. Mm -hmm. But it's a long-term solution that when we leave, the work continues. And there's no barrier if you've, I know, Jim, you've been through Perspectives. They have this thing in Perspectives called the E-Scale. And it's the evangelism scale. And ultimately what it, and I'll explain it in a moment, but ultimately it says the people that are closest to the people in an area are the best people to share the gospel because there are fewer barriers. So E0 would be sharing, an indigenous Christ follower sharing their faith with somebody who comes into their church. E1 would be sharing in their own community, but outside the doors of the church. E2 would be going to a nearby community where they still speak shared languages. The culture is still very, very similar. Well, but they're not, they're not from that community. Right. E3 would be going to even a farther area and where maybe it's a different country, mm -hmm. but it's still... They still look similar. They may even share some language. But E4 is you or me going over to you know, West Africa and sharing the gospel. There are so many barriers that they're really not going to understand what, we're, what mm -hmm. we're saying. In fact, I was recently in West Africa, and people were coming up and asking for a picture to be taken. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll take a picture. And, and soon there's a crowd gathered because this was a, a, um, an indigenous mission conference. We were the only outside people invited in. So we stuck out a little bit like a sore thumb. So David and I, who just was on the last podcast, we were there and taking pictures and we're smiling. Everybody was smiling until they stood in the photo. And when they were in the photo, they were straight-faced, and I didn't understand that. There was a graduation that took place. Everybody is straight-faced. Graduations that we've done around in Africa, everybody is straight-faced. It's like, why is everybody so sad? <clears throat> and that's from our culture, our, our culture. But when I, after asking, I found out that a picture is a very serious thing. And so... If they're going to be in a picture and they're smiling, they're making light and joking about the picture. Mm -hmm. And so, well, that, 
I mean, I've been all over Africa, all over, I mean, over 50 countries around the world. And even just that nuance of a culture, I had no clue. Mm -hmm. So we need to train the people who are on the ground all the time so that they are the hands and feet of Christ to their people and uh, surrounding unreached peoples. And Jamie, I know you mentioned the perspectives course when you talked about the that scale of evangelism. And I know you've done that too, Jim. Can you, for those who don't know what Perspectives is, can you explain that? Uh, well, absolutely. Perspectives is a course that's run all over the country. Um, they have different speakers that, that come in and share and help teach each lesson. As a matter of fact, Jamie, would you know anything about the teachers that are involved in the Perspectives course? Yeah, so a number of years ago, a friend who I had traveled to India with he became a missions pastor out in the church in uh, Colorado. He invited me to teach a, a lesson on perspectives and um, really didn't know anything about the course at that time, but since then I have taken it. Um, and I, I teach typically lesson two, three, and 15. And it's, a, it's probably the foremost mission exposure study that you could be a part of. There's a lot of reading. But it's totally worthwhile because you see the history of missions all the way up to missions being done today and what it looks like going forward. And it's a 15-week uh, course or lesson course that you can take online. So a lot of churches host um, a local uh, gathering and go through the course, which is great because you can go uh, through it with other people from different churches coming together. But you can also, if you don't have one locally, you can find one online. and. Yeah. Those are great as well. So, yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes for anybody that's interested in wanting to explore more about perspectives. Thanks for explaining that. Um, okay, so we have we have listened, we have understood the need, we have seen what they have, what our brothers and sisters in Christ overseas have in their context. We've trained, and there's one more principle. It doesn't end with the training. No, then we need to follow up. You know, follow-up is one of those things that, that we are being more intentional about now. So often the people that we're, we're training are in remote areas where they have a cell phone, but they don't have any reception. So trying to get, hey, how are things going? Um, how are the, whatever the training, whether it's medical or dental or mechanical or optometry, farming, uh, film, whatever it may be, how are those things being utilized? But Umal, uh, a friend from Central Africa that we had trained, he participated with Empower Approach in a dental training and then with iTech in a dental training. Then he moved to the point after several more trainings where he became an assistant trainer. And then in the last one in um, southern, southern Central Africa, then he was one of the trainers. And he's currently in dental school as well so that he can train without us. But he said this, he said, it is great when you come. He said, you come and you train us, and then you leave and we put those skills into practice. But he said, but then come back, polish our skills, and then we don't need you anymore. Go and do it somewhere else. And you know, that's, that's something that's actually took place last week with a Kenyan dentist who's from Uganda, actually, but works in Kenya, she came and participated in the training that we held in Southern Central Africa. 
And she just went back last week, got all of the students, eight out of nine, if not all nine, the trainees, including two medical doctors. She went back to do a half day of classroom training and two days of clinics to make sure that their skills were where they needed to be. And any rough edges, she would be able to polish those skills. So it's not, it doesn't end after we just go and train and then, and then we're done. We continue the relationship because we have spent a lot of time as we've learned to listen and to understand their need and, and work through the logistics of, the, of a training and then doing the training and then going back and saying, all right, how are things going? Where can we help you move to the next level? And then we go do it somewhere else. So it's a multiplication process, not an addition process. Mm-hmm. I think one of the keys in what you said is this is an area we're trying to grow in. You know, these principles are things that we're still refining and working through ourselves. And the follow up is something that we have uh, been working and growing on as a team. And again, for those that might be listening, this is something we hope that maybe you can learn a little bit from uh, what we're working through to apply to your own context. It is not something uh, that's a goal for us to become the ultimate training or sending training agency. You know, we, we want churches out there to, to look at the relationships that they have with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and apply these principles in those contexts. And it might lead to something like a training that, that iTech does. It might lead to something else, but working and walking with um, our brothers and sisters is something that we're trying to promote and not just, hey, go and do, uh, which is really, it's the simple quick fix. And sometimes it's necessary, but we're encouraging you to maybe think a little bit deeper and have a longer term impact on a short term trip. Yeah, you know, that's that's an area at ITEC that we're um, really focusing more on, on walking alongside churches in the U.S. and Christ followers who are saying, look, what we've been doing, I think there's a better way to do it, but we don't know what that better way is or how to move in that direction. And these five principles, there's no cookie-cutter approach. Mm-hmm. One size does not fit all because churches have different people that they're working with in different context. But the principles, you know, it allows you to, you know, just be very thoughtful and prayerful as you walk through trying to work with you know, people around the world. But here at iTech, on the equip side, what we're wanting churches to know is you don't have to do it alone. We're here to walk alongside you. I was speaking with a pastor yesterday, and I said, look, we may go and speak and help you to kind of at least start this process. I said, but after that, we want to be a consultant and a guide for you. We don't have all the answers, nor are we going to give you the answers that we do have, but we will walk through this process with you. I said, we're not charging you for that. That's not something like, hey, now you need to pay us this consultant fee. But what we want to do is we want to empower our brothers and sisters around the world. That is the sole focus of ITEC, is equipping indigenous Christ followers. Mm-hmm. Because the Great Commission will not be accomplished unless it unless all of us, the whole body of Christ, works together. But we can work together and we can do it in a in a meaningful way that will have long-term impact. 
But a church may say, we need help, and we're here to help. So don't hesitate to call or email. Um, we're not going to give you an answer over the phone. Hopefully, we're going to listen so that we can understand the need that you're telling us and really a design thinking um, strategy where we're just going to learn mm -hmm. from you so we can kind of put ourselves in your shoes and then walk alongside that path with you. And it might be something that we can help out with. It might be somebody else we could refer you to. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the unintended consequences of going through a missions dilemma course is that people would feel overwhelmed and not really sure what to do and so afraid to do something wrong, they would pull back. And it's our goal uh, to encourage you to keep going and to dive deeper. It might not be that quick fix that you're hoping for that is often our strategy with churches. You know, each quarter we've got this new strategy and phase. We're trying to keep things fresh. But Brian Fickert, who wrote When Helping Hurts, uh, a lot of people have, have read that book. And there was a forward that he wrote in uh, When Helping Hurts and Church Benevolence, I believe is the title. But the, in the forward, he talks about that unintended consequence that people go through the When Helping Hurts and, and they say, man, this is something that we probably shouldn't be doing. And they pull back. And instead of going deeper and trying to find ways to um, not create dependency or to be, you know, a broader uh, perspective and walk with people. They just said, this is too complicated. We're going to pull out. And that was an unintended consequence of when helping hurts. And in the same way, those who have gone through the missions dilemma, those who might listen to this and feel overwhelmed, we want you to know we want to help you go deeper. Maybe we're the resource, maybe we're not, but that's who we want to be for you. Um, somebody out there listening and trying to think, how can we reassess what we're doing in missions? Well, I don't know about you, Jim, but I'm very encouraged and inspired by these principles that can be a foundation for how we view missions as Christ followers. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jamie, and sharing these principles. And thank you for watching. We will see you on the next episode of the Mission Minded Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission-Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with iTech.